Second Corinthians chapter number five, Second Corinthians chapter number five. I'd like to preach this evening on the ministry of reconciliation. The ministry of reconciliation, Second Corinthians chapter number five. And uh, we're breaking from Ephesians, and uh, and maybe you're thinking, well, why are we breaking from Ephesians? It's we finished chapter one, and then next Sunday night the youth will be taking over the mini- the, the 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 service, and then after that it's missions month, and so uh, so I thought, man, I've got one week, and uh, and then then we're we're all messed up again. So uh, I was really just thinking about what the Lord had me to preach and praying about it, and. And really, I want to talk about this passage and preach on this passage and, and, uh, and think about the idea as a church, uh, what our job, what our responsibility is, is to reconcile people to the Lord. That's our responsibility. That's our job. Uh, and we see that in this passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Look with me in verse number 17. The Bible says this, Therefore, if any man be in Christ... He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you, Father, for your many blessings. Thank you for the privilege, again, that we have to be gathered in your house. And, Father, I pray that you would just use me. I pray, Father, that you would speak through me. God, I pray that you would touch hearts as only you can. And, Father, I pray that you would help us to be uh, about your business in reconciling people back to you. Father, we'll thank you for that. God will give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name I pray, amen. As we look at the passage that this evening, uh, there's really two things that are covered in this passage. And the first is that of regeneration. Uh, in verse number 17, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, uh, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And that's really regeneration, a new birth. Being born again uh, is the idea there. And, uh, and if you're not saved, there's no way to move on to reconciliation if you're not re- regenerated. If you're not saved, if you're not born again, then that's obviously the first step. Uh, and I know that on a Sunday night, it's more than likely most of us here are saved, and I hope and pray that all of us are. Uh, but as we look at that, I do want us to understand that. And uh, understand this, that uh, uh, even after we're saved, we still have this wicked flesh of ours to deal with. Uh, and that is, that is 
uh, an annoyance. Boy, wouldn't it have been good uh, if our flesh would have just gone away? Uh, it would have, but then I guess we wouldn't be here physically because uh, you wouldn't have flesh. And so, uh, so I guess that's not possible. But uh, I'm just saying uh, we deal with our flesh. We fight with our flesh. It is a problematic thing that we have with us all the time. The Apostle Paul wrote it this way in Romans chapter 7. You can note this down, Romans 7, 18. He wrote it this way. He said, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing, for to, to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Uh, and that's kind of a, a confusing passage, but understand this, the bottom line is the Apostle Paul is saying, listen, the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that uh, I don't want to do, I end up doing. Why? Because the Apostle Paul had the same problem that we have to deal with, and that is our flesh gets in the way. And uh, it's just my opinion, uh, but I, I think that the Apostle Paul probably was one of the greatest Christians that lived on this earth. Uh, God used him mightily, and that's not to say there's not some others that are, uh, are wonderful too, but I'm just saying that's just my opinion. And listen, if the Apostle Paul struggled with his flesh, we're going to struggle with ours. I'm just telling you that, uh, because I do believe the Apostle Paul was a man greatly used of God. And so uh, as we think about all of this, uh, then listen, our ministry is really to reconcile people back to God. And we need to understand that. Uh, and that's going to uh, take a lot from us. That's going to be uh, a ministry that, that every one of us can have and ought to have uh, because that's what the Bible says here in this passage. Look with me in verse number 18 and we'll get into our message. The Bible says in verse number 18, And all things... And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. Notice that phrase. I want us to stop there and understand. Uh, I want us to see the man of reconciliation. Uh, and what is reconciliation? I thought I wrote that definition down and I probably did. It's probably elsewhere in my notes and I'll come across it later. But uh, reconciliation is this. It means to restore to friendly terms. That's what reconciliation is. Uh, so two people uh, have a problem or have a difficulty or a misunderstanding or uh, they get upset with each other and, and, and a third party would step in and help them to reconcile and make amends and become friends again. That is reconciliation. And as Christians, as people that are saved and people that are born again, we have a responsibility to reconcile people back to the Lord Jesus Christ. And, uh, and the very first thing that he mentions here in verse number 18, he says, And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. What we have to understand and realize is that the world is lost. That's not a real deep statement. All right, we know that the world is lost. But when you think about the fact that the world is lost, understand that they are uh, they are at enmity with God. 
lost people are. I know we come from uh, America, the Christian nation. Many people call us a Christian nation. Um, I, I don't think that that's probably an accurate depiction of what we really are today because we've drifted so far from Christianity and we've drifted so far from morality uh, that, that really that's probably not an accurate depiction of what our country is. And, uh, and I can tell you this, that you don't have to go very far outside of the doors of our church or outside of the doors of your house before you'll find lost people. What I'm saying is it's not hard to find people that need reconciled to the Lord Jesus Christ. They're everywhere. Uh, you, you'll, you'll run into them on Monday. You'll run into them on Tuesday. You'll see them everywhere. Uh, and, and listen, our responsibility as Christians is to recognize that and know that, hey, they are sinners. Go with me to Ephesians chapter number 2. Ephesians chapter number 2. And notice with me here in verse number 2, the Bible says this, Ephesians 2.2. 2, the Bible says, wherein in times past... Ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past. Let me just pause there for a moment. That word conversation uh, does mean actual talking, but it also means our lifestyle. And so go back with me to verse number 3. It says, among whom also we all had our conversation or our lifestyle in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath even as others. And listen, every one of us before salvation, we're lost, we're sinners. And really we are, as the Bible says here, children of wrath. Uh, children that are uh, not do not have a good relationship with God uh, because we're at enmity with Him. We're at war with Him. Uh, we don't agree with the things of God. Uh, and that's by nature, the Bible says, um, that, that we are the children of wrath. There's no exceptions to that. Uh, every person that is born on this earth uh, is one of, falls in that category. They are uh, somebody that is uh, a child of wrath, per se, against God by their very nature. The Bible says in James chapter 4 and verse number 4, it says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be friend of the world is enemy of God. And the idea of that is adopting worldly philosophies into our life and living according to those worldly philosophies instead of living by godly principles that are written in His Word. And so uh, the Bible makes it very clear that, hey, listen, uh, we don't want to be, obviously we don't want to be enemies of God, but if we're not saved, we are by very nature the children of wrath. We're against God. The things that we do, the way we live our life, the things that, that come into our life, uh, they are not pleasing to God. And, and everyone uh, that is not saved falls into that category. So you have the man of, of reconciliation. That would be those that are lost and need to be saved. But not only the sinners, but notice with me back here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. In verse number 18, the Bible says, 
And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to him, or to himself, by Jesus Christ. And there is a Savior. And that is the man of reconciliation. The man that needs reconciled is the lost person, uh, the sinner. And the, uh, the, the way to be reconciled is through the Savior. I, I enjoyed that, uh, that offertory special. I, I didn't know they were going to play that. And I had already put this in my notes. So go with me to Luke chapter 19. And, and you'll enjoy this as soon as we hit that. Luke chapter 19. And look with me at this passage just for a moment. Because I want you to see this. We're not going to spend a lot of time here, but I do want you to see it is the story of Zacchaeus, uh, the wee little man, the little offertory that was played, all right? Uh, I, I don't know if you sang that song in, in Sunday school. I'm not going to sing it for you tonight, but uh, uh, Luke chapter 19 records that for us. We're talking about the fact that, hey, there are sinners that need reconciled to the Savior or through the Savior, and then there's the Savior. Uh, and we're looking at his, his work that he does in the reconciliation. Luke chapter 19, and look with me in verse number 1. We are going to read the passage. The Bible says, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. We find Zacchaeus was a, uh, you'll read down through there, and you'll find out that he was a tax collector. And many of the tax collectors were just absolute uh, corrupt in what they would do. And, uh, and if you owed um, $500 in taxes, then they'd come to your house and knock on your door and say, listen, you owe $800 of taxes. They'd pocket $300 and then turn in the, four, the $500 uh, to the government to take care of their expense. And, uh, and that's just the way that they operated. That was normal for them. And um, they were very corrupt. And so Zacchaeus was a very corrupt man. And the reason that he was rich is because he had taken so much money from those people. Look with me in verse number 4. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was uh, to pass that way. Why would, why, would, uh, why would Zacchaeus have an interest in Jesus? I, I don't think... It was because he, was, he knew he was going to get saved that day. I think it was probably more likely he had heard of the miracles that were done. He, he, Jesus, when he went through uh, the areas, I mean, there was quite a commotion. I mean, he was the biggest thing that was going on in those days in that area. Have you heard? Hey, that man, this guy healed a blind man. Hey, last week he was over here and a leper was cleansed. And, and last week he was over here and a deaf man was made to hear and, and a lame man was made to walk. And there was this great publicity with Jesus Christ so that Zacchaeus was like, man, I got to see this guy. You know, I mean, this is interesting. I mean, he caused quite a stir wherever he went. So here's Zacchaeus with this interest, and he climbs up in the sycamore tree so that he can see Jesus. Look with me in verse 5. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. Boy, what an amazing verse, to be honest with you. Here you have Zacchaeus, the publican, the tax collector. The people did not like him. He was despised of the people, to be honest with you. And here the Savior comes by, and he calls him out by name, Zacchaeus. Today I'm coming to your house. And, uh, 
And, and I mean, I'm sure his face just like, whoa, wait a minute. He just called my name. He knows, he knows who I am, and, and he just called me. And look with me in verse number 6. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be guest uh, with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as, as he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. And listen, that day Jesus Christ went to Zacchaeus' house, and that day Zacchaeus was born again. Praise the Lord for that. Uh, you know that because, listen, the change that was wrought in his life. He said, man, I, I, you know, I, if I've taken from, from somebody, I'm going to give it back to them. And uh, I'm going to give my wealth to the poor. Probably because he didn't even remember all the people that he had taken from. And, and, and he knew it. He was convicted in his heart. And his life was changed. But you think about all of that. And understand this, that Jesus, at the end of that passage, said, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And I thank God that he came looking for lost people like you and I. And, and that he cared enough to die on the cross of Calvary to take our sins and take our place. And I'm just telling you that the man of reconciliation is Jesus Christ. And he is the only one that can save anyone. We, of course, know that. But we see the man of reconciliation. We see the sinners that need saved. We see the Savior that does the work of salvation. Go back with me to, to uh, 2 Corinthians, to our text. Verse number 5. And notice with me, in, or excuse me, verse number 18. Notice with me the latter phrase there in that verse. The Bible says, And hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Let me just stop right here and let me define the word uh, ministry for you. I got a real simple definition. Ready? The word ministry simply means work. That's what it means. Uh, I mean, you, that's the most basic definition. And a lot of people have a lot of ideas about what ministry is. But the bottom line is that ministry ultimately is defined as work. And you see here, the Bible says that God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, the job that God wants us to do is to reconcile lost people like Zacchaeus back to the Lord. That's our responsibility. Um, and, and you think about that. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter number 2 and verse number 10, uh, we'll not go there for time's sake, but it says, For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And part of that work, one of the works there is the ministry of reconciliation. Bringing people 
to the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, as you think about that, uh, the very first part of that is obvious. Soul winning is certainly a part of that. Uh, it is the, the first in the list, Matthew 28, that we read this morning. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father. That is the first part of that. And we have a great responsibility. We always advocate. I always try and encourage you. Hey, we've got tracks in the back on that table. Grab tracks. Take them with you. Pass them out during the week. Uh, make it a point to try and talk to people and, and leave a gospel track and... and uh, you say, well, I go there every week. Leave them one every week. It'll be okay. Uh, you know, after a while, they might say, I think I need to go to that church. That guy keeps giving me tracks. And uh, maybe something will seek in. I'm just saying that, hey, we do need to be uh, sowers of the seed. The Bible's very clear about that. And that's our responsibility. But let me tell you this, our responsibility doesn't end there. Sometimes we're prone to think, man, I just got to get tracks out. I just got to witness. I just got to do this. That's not the end of it. That's only a third of, of, of the, uh, the, the Great Commission. Uh, that's part of it. Yes, it is essential. Yes, we must do that. No, no doubt that we have to be soul winners. But then after that, listen, we want to see people baptized. And then after that, the Bible goes on and it says that we would teach them. And I'm just saying that a lot of people uh, are, are just really confused and messed up in the world. And we have a great responsibility to teach and reconcile people back to God. That's our responsibility. That's what he says. And we must uh, teach and help and encourage others. And, and, and there are those that, are, uh, that really they struggle uh, in their life. I mentioned... Um, the ministry that I'd like to get started, we're working on getting it started, we're laying groundwork and things like that, the bridge to recovery. And, uh, and really what that is, is for people, uh, you know what, I look at it when I, I went to a, um, oh, it was a preacher's conference and, and they presented this ministry and they, they talked all about it and I said, man, that sounds like discipleship. He said, yeah, pretty much. You know, you're, you're bringing people that maybe have addictions and maybe have things in their life. And understand, when we say that, there are a lot of people in this world that, that go to work every single day, that, that, uh, that live a normal life, but they still struggle with addictions. And, and you don't know it. They may hide it well. But listen, our responsibility is to take and reconcile lives like that Back to the Lord Jesus Christ. And listen, we can't do that in and of ourselves. That's not something, that is not a physical work. Uh, that is not something that, that we can just stay on top of them and, 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 and square them away. No, that is a spiritual work. Reconciling back to God is something that is highly spiritual and not something that is physical uh, that we do. There are physical things that we do to help and encourage and strengthen that, uh, but no doubt it is a spiritual work that God does. Uh, I was reminded of uh, the verse in Galatians chapter number 6 and verse number 1. The Bible says this, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, uh, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. 
And you know what? Every day, every time we come into church, we can be involved in the ministry of reconciling people to Jesus Christ. And sometimes it could be as simple as just encouraging somebody else that's in the pew and saying, hey, you doing all right? You're sticking in there? You're reading your Bible? Uh, good to see you here at church. I'm glad you're doing good. And, and just encouraging those people. The Sunday school classes that we have, you know what they're doing? Uh, the van route that we send out, you know what they're doing? They're reconciling children's lives that have been wrecked by sin and trying to restore them back to a right relationship with God. That's what we do. That's our responsibility in our Sunday school classes, in our Wednesday night classes, uh, in our junior church program, in our van route, in our teen ministry, in our college and career, in our young couples, in all of those. Hey, we are involved in trying to help restore people back to the Lord Jesus Christ. We think about the idea of reconciliation, and I thought about the idea of restoring. And I thought of this illustration, and bear with me if you're not a, uh, sorry ladies, if you're not a car person, uh, it is what it is, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm a car kind of guy. And, and imagine if you, somebody gave you a 19, what did I write down here? I wrote down a year just so I was accurate. A 1965 uh, Ford Mustang that was okay condition and said, hey, I want you to restore that. Man, you had supplies, and you had, man, you, you could go to work on that. And, and, uh, and I, to me, I kind of would enjoy that, to be honest with you. It'd be fun just to go out there and restore it and, and, and make it look nice and, and do all the work that it needs. And, and, uh, and man, that would be kind of fun. But now imagine that somebody gives you a 1965 Ford Mustang in absolutely terrible condition that the motor is half disassembled. It's got rust holes everywhere and says, restore this. And you're like, wow. Man, it would be fun to work on, you know, the one that's pretty decent condition that, you know, you can tweak and that you can kind of mess around with and get going. But when somebody gives you a project like that, you're like, man, that is a lot of work. And you think about that, listen, there are a lot of lives that are wrecked like, a, like, an, like an old car that have not been taken care of, that is just broken down. What is that? It's the way that sin has destroyed their lives. But they need restored just as much as the next one. And we ought not steer away from one or the other because, well, that's more work. Hey, listen, God gave to us the ministry of reconciliation. And he didn't say, hey, just pick the nice cars and restore them. Just pick the nice lives and restore them because, after all, that's an easier job. No, he gave to us a ministry of reconciliation. And he himself exemplified it in the lives that he restored and in the people that he touched and listen God went after all people and he looked for those that needed restored we find the ministry of reconciliation and restoration and I want you to understand that hey we need to be involved in restoring and helping people get their lives on the right track for the Lord Jesus Christ you say great wonderful how do we do that man I'm so glad you asked me that I knew you were going to ask me that. So look at verse number 19. He says, To wit, that God was in Christ 
reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath, notice this, committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Listen, God gave us a manual to reconcile people back to him. I bought my first car. It was, uh, it was an Oldsmobile Omega. And I think I paid $200, $250 for it. And it had sat in a field for years. It was an absolute rust bucket. And, and me being the wonderful mechanic I, I am, you know what I did? I went down, I bought a battery, I put it in it, and I drove it for a couple of years. I didn't fix anything on it. Why? Because it was too much work, man. I mean, I am not kidding you. The door was all rusted, and, and it literally flapped in the breeze when I drove down the highway. I'm not kidding you. That was, it was that bad. Uh, but, but that thing ran. But you know what? That thing wasn't very reliable. I remember many a times going out and, uh, and going to put my key in and start it. And why wasn't it reliable? Because I never took the time to restore it. I never put really any effort into it, except for when it absolutely broke down and left me abandoned. I thought, boy, I reckon I ought to put some work into this thing and, and find out what's wrong with it and put some money into it, and I would fix it. And, and, and so I did that for years. But listen, the idea there is, I, I remember when I bought my first car, my dad said, hey, I want you to go down and you want to go to the hardware store or to the automotive store and buy a Haynes manual for it. He said, you're going to need that. This was... I know this is going to blow you guys away, but this was before YouTube existed. You didn't just go to YouTube and say, how do you fix this, Siri? And Siri would just pull up a video and show you, here, do this, 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 this. And so I went down and I bought a Haynes manual for my car. The next thing my dad said to do, I don't know that was really, uh, I guess it wasn't terrible advice, but I, I don't know that I recommend it. But he said, everywhere you see the word special tool, he said, just cross it off and write the word big hammer. He said, that, that'll work. I said, okay. So I did a lot of fixing on my car. But you know what that manual meant to me? Man, it, it, every time something went wrong on my car, you know what my dad said? Go get your book. I went and get my book. And he says, what's it doing? And I, I said, well, I put the key in, and it goes, rah, 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 rah. He said, then turn to the back, and you in the back of the book was troubleshooting. And you look in the book, and it says, your car turns over, but it will not start. And it will tell you all the steps that you need to take to find out what is going wrong with your car. And, and working my way through that manual, I could find out, oh, this is what needs repaired. This is what needs replaced. And these are the things that I need to check. And I would check those things, and I would learn all of these things. Listen, God did not leave us without a manual for our life. He gave us the Bible. And listen, it is good for reconciling your life, but it's also good for reconciling other people's lives back to God. He gave us the manual that we need so that we can go back and find out what is the problem. Uh, not everyone deals with the same problems that you do. Not everyone deals with the same difficulties that you do. But I tell you what, we have a book, the Word of God, that tells us how to fix man's problem. And the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 12, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You will not find a better tool suited for reconciling people to Jesus Christ than the word of God. 
And we need to go back and find, hey, how do we handle these things? And how do we take care of these things? Uh, go with me to Matthew chapter 4. I've referenced this many a times. And many times I just reference it. But go with me to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4 is the, uh, the temptation of Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 4. And look with me in verse number 1. Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Notice in verse number 4, And he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Notice with me, there's another temptation in verse 5. Notice with me, 5 and 6. Notice with me in verse number 7. He says, Jesus said unto him, it is written. There's another temptation in verses 8 and 9. Notice with me in verse 10. Then saith Jesus unto him, get thee hence, Satan, for it is written. Listen, you can underline in your Bibles those phrases. It is written. If Jesus Christ himself, the perfect Son of God, used the Bible to defend himself against the temptations of the world, how much more ought we to do the same? And I'm just telling you, we started this message with, hey, we all deal with the flesh. We all have these uh, problems that we deal with. And I'm just telling you that the Word of God will help you to overcome those temptations in your life. And maybe you're helping somebody else. Maybe you're, uh, you're encouraging somebody else. Hey, listen, maybe you need to find some verses and recommend that they memorize them, that they read them, that they study them and say, hey, here's a good verse for you. Uh, I think it'll be a help to you if, if they're, uh, they're interested in being helped and interested in having their life reconciled, then maybe that's a good idea to go about that. I'm just saying that the Word of God is the manual that will tell us how to fix our life and to keep us right with God. And we know that but listen, the world out there doesn't know that. And the people that struggle with sin, many times they don't know that. And the people that uh, maybe they, they're saved and, 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 and they still struggle with things. Hey, listen, they also need to know that. Go with me to one other passage, Matthew chapter number 17. And I want you to see this as well, Matthew 17. We're talking about the Word of God, the manual for restoration. And, uh, and as we're, we're looking at that, I'm just saying that there are some cases that, uh, that, that are difficult. There are some things that, uh, that are very hard that maybe you and I, we're like, man, I, I'm not for sure about that one. I don't struggle with that, or I don't deal with that, or, or I don't know. And, and listen, sometimes there are some hard cases and there's some people that need help more than even possibly we could give them. But notice with me in Matthew chapter 17 and, uh, and verse number 18. We won't read the whole passage, but notice there in verse number 18 that, uh, that well, let's just read it. The Bible says, And Jesus rebuked the devil... And he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Notice verse 19. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could we not cast him out? 
And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say to this mountain, Remove thence to yonder place, and it shall be removed uh, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Notice verse number 21. How be it this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. Listen, he rebukes them for their unbelief, for their lack of faith. But then he, tur- he finishes out with verse 21, and he says, This kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. And I'm just saying that sometimes it's going to be necessary in our life that that we're going to deal with stuff that we're going to have to say, you know what, I'm going to have to pray and fast about this. What does that mean? That we're going to give up food. That we're going to say, you know what, I I don't want to give up food. It's not to lose weight. It's not for, for health reasons, but it's for spiritual reasons. That we're going to say, you know what, I'm going to take this to God. And there are things that God can do that we simply cannot do. And we can get them done, not because of our strength, not because of our ability, but because we go to God and we say, God... I'm serious about this. I'm so serious that I'm going to fast. I'm going to give up food. And I'm going to make this a matter of prayer in my life. He said there in verse number 21 that this kind. It was a demon possessed. uh, It was a a person that had a demon in him. And and he said, listen, this kind, this demon, they don't go out easily. There's there's something about that that makes it harder. And, And the only way to take care of it is by prayer and fasting and he talks about in first corinthians or second corinthians chapter number 10 uh he talks about pulling down strongholds and listen that our weapons are not carnal weapons we're not fighting sin with carnal warfare we're not going out and attacking sin uh, with carnal things we're attacking sin and we're, we're attempting to reconcile people through prayer and through the word of god and listen, if we're going to be effective, hey, we got to spend time in prayer. we got to spend time in the Word of God. Uh, we've got to pray that God would, would help people's lives to be changed. Their lives would be made different. And he said very clearly that this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. Then notice with me, you can just note it down in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 2 and 3. The Bible says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby, if so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. You know, a curious thing about children and babies is they grow right before your very eyes, but you don't notice it. You don't even really see it. I remember all the time my kids, you know, we would, we would leave for years and we'd come back and everyone would be like, man, your kids have gotten so big. And I'm thinking, I didn't see it. I mean, you know, I mean, it just, 
they, they grew a millimeter every day or something. I don't know what happened, you know, but, but, uh, but you don't see it as a parent. And listen, sometimes as, as a, a, a Christian that is concerned about other people, sometimes as somebody that works with other people that has a ministry of reconciliation, growth is going to be very slow and you're going to get frustrated. You'll be like, why don't they ever learn? But hey, you just be patient. Because just like you don't see your own children grow, and just because you don't see the, the, the growth uh, that, that is taking place does not mean it's not happening. And we need to be patient. We need to continue to work. As the Bible says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. I'll just throw this out there. I just can't help it. I'm sorry. But most of the modern Bibles add to that unto salvation. We don't grow unto salvation. We are saved. Praise the Lord for that. But we ought to grow spiritually. And spiritual growth comes. And sometimes, hey, it's going to require patience. Sometimes it's going to require prayer. Sometimes it's going to require just encouraging and helping and strengthening the brethren. Hey, this is the ministry of reconciliation. And, and I've said many times, hey, we, we want to we, we see our church grow most definitely. But you know what? We want that slow, steady growth like a child would grow. That shows people getting saved, people coming into the church and they're just getting established and they're growing and they're learning and they're growing closer to the Lord. Hey, listen, the ministry of reconciliation is not an overnight ministry. It takes time. It takes work. It takes effort. It is a ministry. I defined a ministry as work. That's exactly what it is. We find the man of reconciliation. That's those that are lost, need reconciled through the Savior. We see the ministry of reconciliation. That is what we are involved in and what we do. And the manual for restoration, the word of God that we have, that God has given us. And I'm just saying that, hey, listen, everyone can be involved in the ministry of reconciliation. Just encouraging one another, strengthening one another, praying one for another. And saying, hey, man, it's good to see you. You don't know what that other person has gone through this week. Maybe that's what they needed. Maybe that's something, the encouragement they needed to help them be, uh, be faithful to the Lord and to grow and, and to think, hey, I'm serving the Lord. And, and listen, that is a ministry of reconciliation that God has given us. And listen, really, everyone can be involved in that at some degree, in some level, and some capacity to help other people get restored to God. Pass out tracts, encourage, strengthen, pray for, help one another. The ministry of reconciliation. As we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, Father, we thank you for your word. God, we think about the many ministries of Anchor Baptist Church, and God, we desire that our ministries would be involved in reconciling the lost to you. God, not just the lost, but reconciling the saved to you. Sometimes saved people, Father, mess up and they need their life reconciled. Sometimes people get off the beaten path and we need to help them and encourage them and, and, and steer them, Father, back to you. 
So God, I pray that you would help our church, help each and every person to be involved in the ministry of reconciliation. God, you've given us your word. We thank you for it. God, it's a manual for reconciliation. It's the word that helps us to understand how to restore people back to you. God, I pray that you would help us, encourage us, strengthen us, give us wisdom in reconciling souls back to you. Father, we'll thank you for that. God, thank you for reconciling us back to you. God, I pray that you'd help us to reconcile others back to you. Father, we ask all of these things in Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As the piano